You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Wait a minute. Do you still think politics is boring? Well, not when you can say fun words like cacus. Yes, it's fun words like cacus and more. With the intellectual, intersexual, and intersectional, Nicole Sandler on NicoleSandler.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a brand new week. It is a Monday, and as such, <laughs> it's it's Monday. I'm warning you right now that we appear to have some video streaming problems. We're up now. All is good. Oh, um, yeah. Hi, uh, YouTubers and everybody else um, watching on video. We're good now, but if the video stream buffers or anything, there's just some something going on today. I don't know what. See, this message keeps popping up. It says, YouTube is not receiving enough video to maintain smooth streaming. I don't know why. My my um, my internet is blazing fast, so I have no idea. Um, so hopefully it will hold. If not, you can always listen to the audio stream on Progressive Voices or at NicoleSandler.com slash listen dash live. Or simply by going to NicoleSandlerStream.com. That'll bring you just the audio stream. And I'm bring, I'm making sure you know this at the onset, beginning of the show, because today's interview is really important. It deals with what I've been bitching about for the longest time, the, uh, the so-called governor. I have a hard time saying it, just like I couldn't say president with the former guy's name next to it. I can't call governor death sentence a governor, because he's just, he's horrible. Um, but the timing for today's show is great, because last night, John Oliver did my pre-show work for me. So if you haven't yet seen last night's episode of of last week tonight, watch it. And I know you're saying, well, I don't have HBO. Guess what? John Oliver is magnanimous. So his episodes, at least the major uh, story of each show is posted on YouTube. I will embed it in on today's blog where I post today's show because it goes hand in hand. Uh, it'll be posted at NicoleSandler.com slash 3-6-23 because that's the date. But let me share with you 
just a, a few little clips from a much, much longer piece. John Oliver started with all of the things that DeSantis is doing that's uh, only described as fucked up and before he turns to his attack on our education system. You probably remember last year's passage of HB 1557, the Florida Parental Rights in Education Act, also known as the Don't Say Gay Bill. Oh, yeah. Though DeSantis says that name pushes a false narrative and has claimed that the bill simply says no sexual instruction to kids pre-K through three. But the truth is, yeah. the bill is not as narrow as that at all. No. As this DeSantis supporter openly acknowledges. What this bill's trying to prevent is indoctrination of our children. But the bill is a sweeping general piece of legislation that doesn't just apply to young children, it applies throughout the entire school age where it says age-appropriate teaching of gender identity and sexuality. So the bill, is, it, it does, you're right, it targets kindergarten to third grade and it says or age-appropriate. Yeah. yeah, so when is it age-appropriate to talk about uh, it, homosexuality? It, it, it varies by the, by the individual. You would, you would sue a teacher if they started talking to your daughter about same-sex marriage or LGBTQ Listen issues at the age of 17. If they don't have my consent and I think it's, it's not appropriate for my daughter, yes. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I think a lot of people would be quite shocked to hear that. You think? Well, because it's kind it, of a mainstream. That, that, is, that is the law. Exactly. That is the law. I know that's rough to hear, but he is technically right there. Thanks to Ron DeSantis, right now it is the law in Florida. And quick side note, it's funny how it's always the people who think homosexuality as a concept needs to be taught at an appropriate age. They don't give a second thought to when they teach their kids what heterosexuality is. Although that is, that is true, and he goes on, but we're, we're under the time uh, restraints here. Uh, also, the Florida legislative session begins tomorrow, already introduced as a bill to expand that don't say gay law. So it's not just kindergarten through three, it's kindergarten through eighth grade, where you can't even mention that there's such a thing as a same-sex couple. Right? Okay, but uh, on to the next point, John Oliver. And it is not just sexuality in DeSantis' crosshairs. Mm -hmm. He's also passed an act called the Stop Woke Act, right. which limits the ways concepts related to systemic racism and sex discrimination can be discussed in schools. And to hear him tell it, laws like that are badly needed because the wokeness in schools goes way deeper than anyone might think. Wow. I will have math books sent to my Department of Education for review, these textbooks. And they will do things like woke math. Bullshit. And I'm thinking to myself, two plus two equals four. God, he's so full of it's shit. It's not two plus two. Well, let's have a struggle session yeah. over that. Yeah, How do you feel yeah. about it? No, yeah, no, no. Yeah, There's yeah, a right yeah. answer here. I mean, out of context, he's completely right there. Numbers don't count. Out have of context. That his state had to reject math books for containing indoctrinating concepts like race essentialism, especially bizarrely, for elementary school students. Now, that is a big claim. Yes, and if and it sounds like bullshit lie. to you, it that's is because bullshit. it absolutely is. <laughs> Reporters for these outlets come through thousands of pages of elementary school textbooks and their reviews and couldn't find any such examples. And when the DeSantis administration eventually produced just four tiny snippets of what they claimed was objectionable material, for the two that came from grade school books, there is nothing about race, although one nothing does suggest about race. practice with empathising with classmates while they fulfil a lesson objective of identifying numbers from one to five in sequence. <laughs> that is it. That's it. That's it. But wait, there's more. And the most recent thing you might have heard about our books being pulled from shelves in Florida schools with viral images like these making the rounds online. Now, in classic fashion, 
DeSantis has pushed back on those images hard. They've tried to create in Florida uh, a narrative. Um, it's basically a book ban hoax. It's a hoax what they're doing. And they're trying to say that because we have parental rights and because we have curriculum transparency, if you have a book that has hardcore pornography for ten, in, a, in a library that 10-year-olds can access, a parent objects to that, that does not satisfy Florida standards. It should not be in the library uh, with those young kids. No. And I think 99% I think of parents agree with that. Okay, first, let's debunk the most egregious claim there, because 99% of parents don't agree on anything. No. I'm pretty sure you can find at least 10% of parents who are against covering electrical sockets in reach of toddlers. <laughs> they're called zap moms, and they're all about letting kids discover their own limits of electricity. But I will give DeSantis this. There has been some misinformation floating around online. This viral list of books that were supposedly banned statewide in Florida circulated okay. widely. I'm going to cut him off here just because we're on, you know, we got, I, uh, this interview is too important and I don't want to lose the end for our friends listening on the Progressive Voices Network. So I will embed that episode on the blog where I post today's show. You need to listen to it or watch it, actually, as the case may be. So, all right, now... I want to get to the interview because it relates to this. And we recorded this on Thursday. Pay attention. Um, it's one of the more important interviews that I've done on this program. Jesse Hagopian is our guest today. And um, Jesse, you, you, it looks like you wear a lot of hats, but you're all in the education world. Um, how, do you, how do you describe what you do for a living? Well, today I'm wearing my legalized black history hat, but uh, I do. Uh, I am a high school teacher, um, started the ethnic studies program at my alma mater, Garfield High School here in Seattle. And I work for the Zen Education Project, helping to lead the teaching the black uh, teaching for Black Lives campaign based on the book that I co-edited with Wayne Now and Diane Watson, Teaching for Black Lives. And I'm on the steering committee of Black Lives Matter at school nationally. And we recently held our our week of action with thousands of teachers across the country, teaching hundreds of thousands of kids intersectional anti-racist lessons uh, was really a, an exciting week. I'll bet it was. Well, you know, this is the reason we're talking. I, for the moment anyway, live in Florida. It's not good down <laughs> yeah. here. We have a crazy yeah, man inhabiting the governor's office who is, it's every day, it's something new with this guy, but he has declared war <laughs> on, on so many people, but let, we'll limit it to education right now. Um, I'll tell you something, I've never been happier that my child is now a, an adult and out of school. Because if I still had a school, a kid in school in Florida, I'd be leaving faster than I am and we're out of here in about a month. So um, I, I'm disgusted and I went looking to see what can be done about this, what alternatives are out there. And, you know, I, I've spoken to, I, I know Randy Weingarten, the president of American Federation of Teachers for years. She came on, obviously it's an issue for her. Um, it's an issue for everybody what's happening to our schools. But in my travels online looking for alternatives, I came across information about the Zinn Education Project. And anytime I hear Howard Zinn's name, my, I perk up 
because right because people need to know who he is and when i saw that there is a an a basically an alternative to um uh, t- teaching programs available to teachers around the country based on at least the history part of it based on howard zinn's uh, people's history of the united states I, I i had to find out more so thus oh, good instinct we are connected <laughs> so tell us about the zinn education project what who are they what what do you guys do no doubt. Well, we take we do take our name from Howard Zinn and the approach to history that he took, a people's history approach, where we look at the struggles of American history through the lens of, of marginalized, oppressed people, rather than the way most corporate textbooks analyze history is the march of one powerful person, one billionaire, one president, one general after another. And instead, we want to look at slavery through the eyes of the people who were enslaved. We want to look at voting through the eyes of the people who were shut out of voting, whether that was women, black people, people of color. We want to we want to look at the American economy through the lens of the people who are doing the work, uh, not the ones who are profiting off of all of that that labor. And, and too often that conversation is completely absent from uh, American schools. And so we have now at the Zen Education Project hundreds and hundreds of lessons from all throughout American history for middle school and high school classrooms from that people's history perspective. And these are engaging interactive lessons, not just lecture notes for teachers. These are lessons that will ask students to travel back in time and uh, become members of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee nice. so, that they, yeah. so that they can, you know, or, organize a protest during the civil rights movement. And they have to debate the actual questions that that the students in SNCC were debating at the time, right? Um, should we work with Martin Luther King was one of the debates that came up because he'll come in, give a speech and go to the next town, you know, um, do we want to just keep this more of a local organizing effort or bring in some of the big names, right? These are some of the real debates that were happening at the time, and students get to immerse themselves in those questions and learn the history in a much more engaging way and then compare what they came up with to what the actual organizers did. And this method can be applied to so many different historical eras, and I think that's why over 140,000 educators across the country have registered at the Zen Education wow. Project and, and growing every month. That's great. And we should say zenedproject.org is the website. And yeah, I mean, the first uh, thing on the pull down menu is teaching materials. You can explore by time period, by theme, by resource type. Now, I was so intrigued by this because, you know, I've been watching this attack on our education system for a few years now. It's nothing new. It didn't just happen with DeSantis or Trump. But we've been watching, you know, uh, many of the textbooks, for whatever reason, are published in Texas. And we've been watching them, you know, over time, 
um, change the, the, right. the, the, the lessons, change the history, change what is in those textbooks. And I'm just sitting here as a mother in Florida going, what the hell are they doing? As a teacher, you must have been going crazy seeing this happen. Oh, it's outrageous to see what's in some of these textbooks. In in Texas, the McGraw-Hill textbook that was piloted there for, for a geography class um, had a particularly egregious passage. And there was a boy named Kobe Byrne who was in his, his high school geography class in Texas. And he opened to the page his teacher had assigned, and he read the caption on the map that said, that millions of quote workers were brought from Africa to the United States, right? And nowhere in in the caption or in the text did it point out that these quote workers were not paid, right? That mm-hmm. these were in fact enslaved African people, and it did point out that that the white indentured servants were not paid. However, um, and so Kobe texted to his mom. Uh, we was real hard workers, wasn't we, mom? And, you know, with a sarcastic emoji. And his mom was was getting her PhD in African-American studies, and she wasn't playing with this textbook company. She took to Facebook and read out the names of the PhDs who had signed off on this book and read the passage for the world to see and showed the power that we can have when we organize and press back because you know they eventually issued an apology and removed removed the uh, offensive wording on their online version but there are still thousands of those books out <laughs> you know in the world and right. and I wish it was just Texas that was the problem but a couple years after that we found in Connecticut, right? In the north, there's a book for fourth graders, The Connecticut Adventure, which said that enslaved African people in Connecticut were treated like, quote, members of the family. Oh, my God. Right. Almost like like the enslavers were, were doing black people a favor right. by enslaving them. It, it was truly outrageous. And, and Really, this is the norm for American textbooks throughout U.S. history, thanks to groups like Daughters of the Confederacy that fought very hard to get that lost cause, neo-Confederate narratives woven through American textbooks that we, we still see the vestiges of today. Right. And this has been sort of a slow process. And I, I mentioned Texas it's, it's because the textbooks, many of them, are published there, not just for Texas schools, but for schools around the country. So, yeah, they're published there, but they're exported everywhere. And this has been a problem more and more as the years go by. And then, you know, fast forward to this city at getting elected in Florida and <clears throat> Every day there's something new with this guy, but his attacks on education have been blatant from the start. And then it all came to a head a, a, a month or two ago when he he started criticizing this pilot program, this African-American advanced placement studies course that's now, I think, in, in 60 schools around the country as a pilot program to test it to see if it becomes part of the, the college board's uh, offerings, I suppose. And Ron DeSantis uses his own personal biases, and we all know right now that he's just a racist, uh, bigot, 
um, intolerant uh, asshole um, (laughs) who believes that if if you don't agree with him on everything, then you're the outlier, that if you have a different belief system. And the last I checked, we still have freedom of religion in this state. But if you're not a white Christian nationalist in Florida, then you're the other. And anything you teach is indoctrinating our children. Um, I, I, I just I, the incredulity overtakes me. I can't believe this stuff is happening, but it is. And. He's getting ever more popular. So he he throws up these red flags about this AP um, course and says it cuts it off, just stops it in Florida, even though there are many kids taking this program, getting credit for it, cuts it off in midstream and says, we believe that teaching, you know, African-American history is very important, but not the way they're doing it because they're making white kids feel bad about their ancestors i mean it it doesn't even make sense that's right that's right it, it's really been stomach turning to see the kind of neo-fascist attack that desantis is waging on the teachers and students of florida and the way he's trying to export those ideas around the country it was just uh, heart-wrenching to see the way he attacked the ap african-american studies course uh you know one of his main charges was that this couldn't be a valuable course because it included the stories of queer black people right because right yeah right it's like the way that he he overlaps the attack on LGBTQ people with the attack on black people is just so vicious uh, as if queer people weren't also black. Right. I mm-hmm. mean, he, well, right, you mentioned we inter- tell- intersectionality. He's calling that a bad word. Well, it, there are queer black people. There's intersectionality for you. None of it's us. A reality. Right. <laughs> it's a reality. I know that he wouldn't want to admit this, but Bayard Rustin existed, a black Mm -hmm. man uh, who was gay, who organized the March on Washington. We wouldn't have the I Have a Dream speech without the gay black man, Bayard Rustin, who organized uh, that, that march in large part, right? I mean, you can't tell black history without telling the stories of Lorraine Hansberry, one of the greatest playwrights of all time, who was lesbian. You can't you can't tell the black experience in this country without talking about James Baldwin, one of the greatest novelists uh, of all time, who was a black gay man. Right. Or or uh, Marsha P. Johnson, who transgender uh, woman who led the help to lead this the um stonewall rebellion the stonewall rebellion is what led to all of the pride parades that we have in every single city across the country right so these these identities are interlinked uh, and intersectional and we have to be able to teach our history in in an intersectional way if we're going to teach the truth and the attack that he has laid 
down against educators is is just breathtaking it's it's something out of the pages of the mccarthy era when you know in the mccarthy era uh, 400 teachers alone in new york city were fired under suspicion of being communist thousands of teachers across the country who merely wanted to have discussions about racial justice or about economic justice in their classrooms were then labeled communists and and disappeared uh, right. pushed out out of the classroom and that's what desantis is is bringing back in in florida uh in a vicious way um i mean the laws y'all have there you know they, they, there's a new one you know they the 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 legislature is in session now and mm. they just one of the guys who actually gets support from disney you you might remember the kerfuffle between desantis florida and disney over the don't say gay bill well this one member of the florida legislature introduced legislation to expand that bit of insanity right now it says you can't talk about same-sex couples or gender issues to, but up to you know third grade as if oh, someone in kindergarten may not have two moms if they do you're not allowed to talk about that or you can be fired but now they want, they want a teacher yourself I know, and, and right? have a picture but, of your spouse or, or on your, your desk right but but now this guy wants to push it through eighth grade so that no talk of any uh, of our relationships of the of sexuality until ninth grade <laughs> And under threat of law, the teachers, yeah. and the last time I checked, you're, you're a teacher, you went to college, you have a degree so that you are an expert in your field. You know what's age appropriate for the kids you teach and you, you're educated in the field to teach. Much better than the politicians. Yes. <laughs> Who died and made them teachers? The last time I heard, uh, Ron DeSantis doesn't have an education degree, yet he's deciding, or some parent is deciding what books it's appropriate for their kids to read. I'll tell you a story. My kid was not a good student. She didn't like reading. She she didn't, just didn't. She wasn't a good student. We, so, we would have gotten along very well. Right? So... <laughs> One day she comes home from school and I actually put her in a, a special school, she's ADHD, and she, you know, traditional setting didn't work for her. And you know, as a teacher, you need to work with those kids to find what works for them. So she's right. in this school and they have a big library in the classroom. She comes home one day, she's like, Mom, I, I found a book I'm reading. It's really interesting. It's about this doctor. And he separated conjoined twins. And it's and 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 it dawned on me, oh my God, she's reading a biography of Ben Carson. And, and it's just like, okay, <laughs> you're reading. Good. Read. Would it be my choice of the book for her to read? No. But she found a book to read. I'm thrilled. And I want her to expand horizons. And then I could tell her who Ben Carson really is. Yeah, he was a great doctor, I guess, but he's also not a very good man. So, but, you know, this, but they had all the, the, the classroom libraries covered up until their committee, who I understand was not full of educators, decided which books are appropriate for their kids to read. And now there's maybe a few thousand that have been approved out of a universe of how many millions of books are out there? 
That's right. That's right. It is really scary. A society that is so afraid of ideas and so afraid of history that they are going to ban books is not a healthy society. We have to educate our kids to be able to evaluate different perspectives, weigh uh, ideas that may be uh, contrary to theirs, and and then allow them to decide uh, if they agree or not. Right. And passing a law that makes it a felony to have the wrong book on your shelf. I mean, when I read that teachers would be charged with a third degree felony yep. and and could could get five years in jail and a five thousand dollar fine for being caught with a book about LGBTQ people or yeah. or black history. I mean, seeing books about Hank Aaron being pulled off the shelf. <laughs> What, what, because he received death threats from white supremacists because he was going to break Babe Ruth's home run record. Right. That happened. It happened. That's a reality. Exactly. But they don't, these, these new fascists, that's the only thing I can call them, don't want kids to know that because it might make them feel bad about their predecessors. That's how you learn, right? That, isn't that, yeah. that how we learn from our mistakes? And you don't exactly. want to repeat the bad things that you did in history, you learn from your mistakes. Well, they're making it so that they're whitewashing it so that you, these kids can't learn from their mistakes. And, and, and their claim that teaching kids about the reality, about the truth that racism has always existed in this society and that it's been embedded in the institutions of our society. Their claim that teaching that history is about shaming white kids it is an outrageous claim. None of us social justice educators that got into this profession did so because we want to shame white <laughs> students, right? We actually, right. we want to empower all of our students with a better understanding of how society works. And that includes empowering white kids with understanding that they uh, can join multiracial struggles for, for racial and, and social justice. So when I teach the American Revolution, I teach them about Thomas Paine, who wrote the book Common Sense. Of course. And, you know, one of the most important catalysts to the American Revolution, he also wrote an essay uh excoriating the quote-unquote founding fathers for the contradiction of the fact that they owned human beings and then were claiming to build a democracy. Right. And so I don't hide that essay from my, from my students because it's inconvenient to the story of American freedom. I let them read the story of a white man who was arguing against slavery and said that you can't have democracy and slavery uh, together and let them judge for themselves who was more just, Thomas Paine or George Washington, right? And right. They, get to, they get to figure that out for themselves. We don't censor that. I give them examples all throughout history. The Grimke sisters who were part of the abolitionist movement, John Brown who fought against slavery. We can, we can look at Howard Zinn who was part of the civil rights movement. 
um, you know, and give them examples uh, of anti-racist white people who are joining the struggle for for social justice. That doesn't shame white kids. No. That empowers them with a better vision uh, of how to link arms with the other students in their class and create a better future. And I'll just end by saying that I think it's actually the people that want to ban the teaching of structural racism who are shaming white kids. And, and I'll tell you why. I think that if white students don't learn that racism is structural, that it can be embedded in institutions regardless of the the values and viewpoints of the people in that institution, then a lot of times they'll end up blaming themselves uh, and being paralyzed with the feeling of guilt and shame for all of the inequality and racism that they see around them. Our white students are smart. They see that they go to segregated schools, yeah. that they're in segregated classrooms. They see their black peers being followed and harassed in stores or being harassed by police. And they, they want to know why is this happening? Right. Yeah. And we don't have a, a structural explanation for them about how uh, enslavement of black people and Jim Crow segregation and mass incarceration today have have perpetuated systems of uh, of racism. Then they may end up uh, just being feeling shame themselves for being white and, and not understanding that they could actually be part of a multiracial struggle. Exactly. And the thing is, they they want to keep them stupid. Look, we thought it was a or, or ignorant of the facts, ignorant of history. I thought it was, you know, a, a weird thing that Trump said all those years ago when he said this. I love the poorly educated. It's actually their 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 mission statement. They love the poorly that. educated because they want to keep you dumbed down so that you listen to what they say. Um, it's 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 disinformation, which we get on every front. Look, here in Florida, there's another thing going on that I'm sure you're aware of. There's part of the Florida State University system. There's a small college in Sarasota called New College. In fact, I graduated from the University of South Florida many years ago. And when I was there, New College became part of the state university system. And it's a small campus, beautiful campus with like 700 students. It's become a haven for LGBTQ kids. It's a very, um, it is a liberal arts college in every sense of the term. But, you know, he has vilified it so much like it's like this hippy dippy place. Well, no, it isn't. It's a real university that catered to kids who um, weren't, didn't fit in to the, you know, in a big university setting. And he's taking this, a school that has great graduation rates, um, it, it very well revered, and he's trying to change it and model it after Hillsdale College, a, a Christian conservative private school in, in Michigan or something. This is a public, edgy, public college, and what we've learned is all of these restrictions he's putting on education in the state of Florida only apply to the public school system, whether it's public schools, K through 12, or the public universities. Private schools, they don't have any of these limits. So they're creating a two-tiered educational system here in Florida. 
Wow. Yeah, I, I heard about the attack on New School, the replacing of the board of directors and the, the president and, yep. you know, just trying to ideologically engineer uh, the the college. And it is it is truly chilling to, to see that kind of attack go up to to higher ed as well. And that's why I was really heartened to see the lawsuit that was that was brought against the the so-called stop woke act which would just it just makes me chuckle every time i hear them attack wokeness it's it the the, the strident argument to to sleepwalk through life right. and not not yeah. be aware it's, it's is, bad is, to be woke right, i mean right. come on it, it's opposite world i talk about opposite world yeah. all the time this is it's, it. It's opposite world. I mean, it reminds you of of the movie Don't Look Up, right? Yeah, it's of just course. like it, it's that level of intellectual sophistication. Stay asleep. Don't look up. Uh, right. And so they so they they the so-called Stop Woke Act uh was challenged by by a lawsuit. And and thankfully, um it was uh repealed but for higher ed right for for higher ed by a judge who pointed out that it the law is is dystopian i think he called it something out of 1984 and i think that's really the only way you can understand this right uh ignorance is strength is the the slogan of the government in 1984 and it may as well be desantis's slogan as well uh, if he hasn't pulled that book off the shelves here in florida which i'm not <laughs> certain they haven't right and i'm not joking that's how dystopian and backwards it is you know you mentioned um we should be teaching about race issues now on the high school level they don't teach critical race theory. That is a legal college level or graduate level course or a course of studies. Um, of course, they should teach about the history of uh, of America and race plays into it as a big part in it. But it's not, quote, critical race theory. And all these people who are screaming about CRT, they have no clue what it is. Can you explain to the people yeah. who they're not listening to the show, but to, so, but some of us, we all, so many people need to learn what yes, CRT is please. because you're, you're absolutely right. That when, when Christopher Rufo and Donald Trump launched the attack on critical race theory, cha challenging that, you know, all of American schools were indoctrinating kids with, with CRT, it caught every educator in the country off guard because Almost none knew what CRT was because right. none of them had ever studied it or were were implementing that framework in in their their class their classrooms. I you know I actually wish that more teachers would use CRT. It's not I've only met in my whole in my over twenty years of of teaching both in Washington D.C. and New York and 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 in my hometown of Seattle. I, I think I've met two teachers who who have ever studied CRT. Um, <laughs> right. And, right. And so it's and I've been involved in so many campaigns for racial justice and for anti-racist education, and very few educators had uh, that I've come in contact with had ever studied it and. You know, when the attack on critical race theory 
was launched, I said, well, you know what? I better make sure I know what it is, too, if I'm going to be accused of teaching it. <laughs> All right. So, so, you know, uh, I started doing study groups with a bunch of teachers, and it turns out there's a lot of really important framework there that actually could be very beneficial in our schools. So thank you, GOP, for raising the question, because now many more teachers are going to look into it. And if we're going to be accused of teaching it, we better <laughs> look it up and understand and what it is, what, what what aspects of it can help us, you know, and basically critical race theory says that racism is embedded in structures of society. Yeah. And, and when you look at when you look at the fact that there are more black people who are behind bars or on probation or parole than were enslaved in 1850, that, that's a staggering statistic that you can only understand by seeing the ways that racism is embedded in the law, uh, the way that critical race theory points out. And, uh, you know, I think that if our students had been indoctrinated, quote unquote, with CRT for, for so many generations, we wouldn't have statistics like that You're because right. so many people would be working to, to uproot racism. I mean, the average white family has 10 times the wealth of the average mm -hmm. black family. That's a statistical fact. Black women die in childbirth uh, or child-related causes three times the amount uh, of white women. Asian Americans are facing hate crimes yeah. that at, a, at an increased rate of 160 uh, percent post in the post COVID years. Right. Racism is all around us. Yeah. It's embedded in our society. It's attacking black people and people of color. And we need systems of thought like ethnic studies, like black studies, uh, you know, and and critical race theory to help us understand why these attacks are happening. Right. And the thing is, knowledge is power. The more you know about something, the better equipped you are to speak about it. So I'm going to play a little clip for you. This is from Congress last week. And now that the Republicans control the House, it is crazy season. And Marjorie Taylor Greene actually sits on the House Oversight Committee. And this is a question she asked of a witness. I don't even remember what exactly the the topic was, but it was about well, I, I'm just going to play it for you because I couldn't make this up if I tried. But it just shows people use terminology they don't understand. So, here's Marge. Adaro, can you tell me uh how much how much covid cash went to CRT? CRT. <laughs> Critical race theory in education. It's it's a racist right. uh, uh, curriculum used to teach children uh, that somehow their white skin is not equal to black skin and other things in education. Yeah. Uh, no, I do not know that. But I, I do know that there's f provisions that the uh, federal funds generally are not used, they're supposed to be used for curriculum. Oh, that's a state. Oh, Mr. Dodaro, I have to tell you, in Illinois, they, they receive five point one billion um, at, at an elementary school there that that used it for equity and diversity. Really? Um, Do you so know of any uh, any well, elementary school that received five point one billion dollars? One yes. elementary school in I'm Illinois. Sending my kid there. Right. I'm sending my kid there. They're going to go in a limousine and, and have caviar at, at, at lunch. 
That'll be that'll be nice. I mean, I'm laughing at her, but this is not funny. This is what is in Congress right now. She has not a clue what she's talking about. She spews this verbal diarrhea all the time, and it just shows her ignorance and her wow. racism. It, it's staggering to see the way that she and this this whole uncritical race theory cabal as i as i call them the uncritical race theorists are trying to argue that it is white people who suffer from racism in in society today and it, it's just really sickening and and it, we need to build a movement for truth in this country there are now 42 states that have introduced legislation that would seek to require educators to lie to students about structural racism or sexism or heterosexism. 18 of these states have have passed these laws already. And it's not just the states that are trying to require educators to lie to kids about black history. Um, it, it's also all the districts. So in my home state of Washington, we don't have a law that tries to require us to lie to students Good. and yet we have several districts around the state that have passed the same kind of laws that require their educators uh, to deceive students about the nature of racism in our country and so you know we have to build a teach truth movement and and i'm proud to say the zen education project is partnering with several other organizations um, to have another national day of action on June 10th. Oh, good. June a 10th. teach truth, a teach truth national day of action. Um, and we will be uh, releasing more information about that in the coming days and, and weeks. And we've had a couple of these national days of action already partnering with Black Lives Matter at school and the African-American Policy Forum. Uh, and it's been incredible to see educators pour out in city after city, uh, doing really creative actions like walking tours, um, going and, and educating students and families about the history in their own community that would be barred if these laws pass, right? And so in Seattle, we had a walking tour where we passed by the uh, Carolyn Downs Clinic that was started by the Black Panther Party. Mm. And it was a free healthcare clinic, right? And we wouldn't be able to teach that history right? Uh, if, if these laws pass, but it, it's still there and it's still giving free uh, and, and reduced price um, healthcare to people in our community. And we wanna be able to just tell the truth about uh, <laughs> Our, our own lives. It's, it seems like such a no-brainer. We're talking with Jesse Hagopian, and he's here today with the hat on re representing the Zinn Education Project. And I wanted to let people know, now here in Florida, if a teacher wanted to um, take advantage of the curriculum and the materials offered there, they might be taking their life in their hands. But in many states, the teachers do have the freedom to um, uh, to to branch out and find creative ways to teach their kids the truth. Are there limitations uh, that you've heard of for people using the materials provided by Zen to um, to teach history or other topics? 
You know, we've gotten messages from teachers all over the country that have been very disturbing about how these laws are impacting their teaching. I interviewed a teacher in Iowa where an anti-history law was passed, and this incredible middle school teacher told me that her colleagues had pulled out of their curriculum uh, a book by Alice Walker because they were afraid that this award-winning novelist, one of the great novelists in American history, uh, because she raises issues about race and racism mm -hmm. in, in her books, it could lead to uncomfortable conversations. And if a white student then feels uncomfortable, it could lead to the teacher being fired. And so God. students all over the country are being denied some of the, the richest stories of our history and our literature because it has fallen out of favor with a far right wing uh, attack. And, you know, teachers are feeling the the intense pressure. Um, you know, we've gotten many statements from educators in Florida, of course, telling us about um, how they're afraid that they might have the wrong book on the shelf or a teacher um, also uh, was quoted with an administrator telling telling them that uh, they should teach both sides of slavery. Oh, God. Right. It's like teaching both sides of the Holocaust, right? Th out, this is coming outrageous. up, too. Right. Yeah, that that is also coming. That came up in Texas yep. where... Uh, uh, one of the district administrators told uh, a group of teachers at a at a formal training to teach a balanced view of the Holocaust. Um, this is the direction that these anti-history laws are, are taking us. Uh, and it's not just the teachers who are getting fired, like Amy Donoforio in, in Florida got fired uh, when she was teaching at Robert E. Lee High School, right? I mean, if, you, if you're a black kid and you go to a, a school named after a Confederate general who was responsible for killing many thousands of people in a traitorous war against uh, the U.S. to keep uh, slavery, yeah. right? You might not feel safe going to that school. And she had a flag in her classroom that said Black Lives Matter to let her black students know that they were safe in right. her classroom and was fired for that. <gasps> and you know, oh, in, in in Tennessee, Matthew Hahn was fired for allowing his students to read the award-winning author Ta-Nehisi Coates. Oh my God! Right, right. you know, and he, mean, his his books were pulled from this the AP uh, yes. college the the AP African American Studies course. That's insane. Yeah. Yes, yes, it is, it is. It really it truly is. And you know that you make a good point like that book being pulled from the the college board to me showed just how deep the problem is because yes. I knew it was bad when when Florida banned the AP African American course, but what was what was truly revolting was when the college board actually uh, capitulated to every one of the demands that that DeSantis had, yep. you see that the problem isn't just the far, far right. It's also just mainstream institutions That's right. that, that too often allow structural racism uh, 
to to uh, fester in their organization. In fact, the college board removed the word structural racism from the African-American uh, uh, studies class, right. which it couldn't be a better example of, of structural racism <laughs> itself, right? Right. But just to follow, just to end the, the point I was making, it isn't just the teachers that are getting fired from these anti-history laws. Over 160 across the country have already uh, registered as being fired or pushed out. But the, the larger problem is the chilling effect that it's having on on all the other teachers who are worried they could get fired. So they're just not saying it. They're not teaching Alice Walker, right? Or they're oh, not going to raise the discussion about the brutality of slavery because it could lead to somebody feeling uncomfortable and then uh, them getting fired. And so our education system is being warped. Uh, in, in incalculable ways right now. And it's going to require educators to stand up and teach the truth regardless of the law. It's going to require uh, unions and social justice organizations to build rallies. We, we need to uh, have people interested in the truth running for school board, right? We, we need to build a revolt in this country for truth. Without a doubt. And so, again, I, I'm going to direct everyone, especially teachers, go to zinedproject.org. I'll link to it from the blog today where I post the show. And and check it out. There's just the world is at your fingertips there. Lessons, teaching, showing you how you can teach these subjects. Hopefully it's not against the law where you are to teach right. the truth. And you know what? Even if you're not an educator, you don't have kids in school anymore. If you haven't yet read it, read Howard Zinn's People's History of the United States. It will give you a whole different perspective that maybe you didn't get in school, but it is the truth. And the truth, as they say, will set you free. You can't fix things if you don't know what happened before. And I'll tell you one last thing. We One of uh, my husband's favorite shows is Finding Your Roots. It's on PBS. It's hosted by Henry Louis Gates. And he goes back and examines, you know, finds the genealogy and the ancestry of his guests. And last week, I think it was last week or the week before, he had Angela Davis on. And at the yeah. very end, did, did, you, did you hear this? I heard about that. Yeah. It, at the very end, they're going through, you know, they run the DNA. They do, they do trace what they can just from stories and ancestry charts or whatever, but they also run the DNA. Angela Davis's, one of her ancestors came over on the Mayflower. If that's not intersectionality, then I don't know what is. And Ron DeSantis wants to say that's a dirty word. Mm -hmm. His yeah. priorities are screwed up. No, I mean, it's it's a brutal reality that enslavers used black women as sexual objects. Well, and, do. you know, and that's many black people have white ancestry for that reason. And that's a difficult conversation to have. And it requires building a lot of trust in the classroom um, before you can approach conversations like that. And. They have to be done in age-appropriate ways, done differently at different age levels. Uh, and a lot of care and attention needs to be had to that kind of a, a hard conversation. And that's why teachers should have trainings yes. about 
structural racism and how it, it, it impacted us. Rather than banning that conversation because it's difficult, we need to lean into that conversation and learn how it, it uh, impacted our country and, and our identities. And, and you know, how, we will not do our children any service by by lying to them about this country. Not at all. Uh, that's why uh, my hair is on fire about a lot of things. This attack on education, on history, on truth, and and their their claim because uh, it's opposite world that we're indoctrinating our children. They're the ones indoctrinating them in a really dangerous way. We need to take back control and make sure history is taught in an objective manner and that means truthfully not mm. not the bullshit um propaganda they're they're trying to push on our kids um and uh, on every aspect of our society too while we're at it but education if if we let them teach our kids in the, in these horrible ways we're setting up for history to repeat and it will only repeat because they're not being taught what happened in the first place. No, you're absolutely right. And when you, when you look at history, you find out that this isn't the first time that powerful people have been scared of the truth and want to hide education from students. You know, in, in 1739, there was a Stono rebellion in South Carolina and enslaved people rose up and tried to get their freedom. And a man named Jemmy marched with a banner that read Liberty across it. And when they caught the enslaved resistors, they killed most of them. And then they did something else. They wanted to kill the very ability of black people to be able to write that word liberty. So in 1740, the first anti-literacy laws were passed in this country that made it illegal for black people to learn to read and write because they knew that educated black people uh, could be very dangerous in terms of getting their freedom. And, you know, during slavery, you could be maimed or killed if you were caught reading a book, right? Yep. And after after the Civil War, Black people built the public school system during Reconstruction. And that's when the Ku Klux Klan was formed. And they burnt down 600 Black schools because they were afraid of Black education. You know, today's racists, they aren't so bold as to want to ban the reading of the word, but they do want to ban the reading of the world. They want to ban the ability of our young people to understand our society, to understand that history that I just laid out. Uh, and and they want to stop them from being able to, to create a better world. And we have to demand truthful education if we're going to build a better society. Without a doubt. Jesse Hagopian, uh, what a great uh, conversation. Thank you for joining us today. And thank you for the work you're doing. It is so important. This, I, I feel like I'm on a mission calling out what they're doing because when you hurt your, our kids, you're hurting the future of the planet. So um, thank you so much for having me on the show today. It was a pleasure. For me too. Thank you. Hopefully, we'll talk again.
Jesse, Jesse Hagopian. Ah, sorry about that. Um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I told you this was an interview worth listening to. And, and that's why, of course, today's the day. Well, <laughs> it's not the only day, but a day that the streaming gets all screwy. Anyway, Jesse's website, by the way, is I am an educator. Org. Hold on, I want to make sure I'm getting it right. Nope. I am an educator.com. I am an educator.com. If you noticed the um, the hat he was wearing, it said legalize black history. Well, those hats and t-shirts and mugs that say legalize black history, he's got for sale. The proceeds go to supporting the youth winners of the Black Education Matters Student Activist Award. So you can get the shirt and the merch at IamanEducator.com slash Legalize-Black-History-Store. Just go to an IamanEducator.com and you'll, you'll see the link there. And also, don't forget, check out the Zinn Education Project, ZinnEdProject.org, because they are doing, they're doing, I, I don't say God very often, but they're doing... God's work, to, as, as a euphemism, they're doing the mo- really important work. They're teaching truth. I always say speak truth to power. Well, teach truth to our kids. When you lie to them, we're, we're, we're screwing them up. And stop it. We can't do that anymore. All right. With that, um, we've reached the end of the program. Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, there's stuff that happened this weekend that we didn't get to that I'll probably cover tomorrow unless a great guest comes my way. We'll see. We'll play it by ear. Wednesday is Women's International History Day or, or International Day of the Women. Amy Simon will be here with some fabulous female facts and more. All right. Um, thanks, everyone. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. It's time for Nicole Sandler's What's News from NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. President Biden marked the 58th anniversary of Bloody Sunday this weekend, becoming only the second sitting president to participate in the annual march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. In his remarks, Biden said that voting rights remain under assault. Quote, the right to vote and to have your vote counted is the threshold of democracy and liberty. He added... I've made it clear I will not let a filibuster obstruct the sacred right to vote. He urged Congress to pass laws to make Election Day a holiday, register new voters, and bolster Justice Department oversight of elections in jurisdictions with a history of discrimination. Biden wrapped up his speech with what many consider to be a potential 2024 campaign slogan, Let's Finish the Job. Well, the definition of insanity is playing out in real time in Ohio. A cargo train operated by Norfolk Southern derailed on Saturday near Springfield, Ohio. This is the second Norfolk Southern train in recent weeks to derail in the state of Ohio. The cause of the derailment is still being investigated, but the company said that there were no reported injuries and the train wasn't carrying any hazardous material. Thank goodness for small favors, huh? This derailment comes just a month after another Norfolk Southern train derailed in East Palestine, Ohio. That one spewing toxic chemicals across the state and forcing the area's 5,000 residents to evacuate. An environmental crisis remains in the area as workers continue to clean up the massive damage from that accident. So, in an unfortunately related story, 
Protests continue in Greece on Sunday as anger intensified over the deadliest train wreck in that country's history. 57 people were killed last week when passenger and freight trains collided. Authorities on Sunday jailed a Greek railway employee who served as station master where the trains collided. Now, this rail worker who cannot be publicly identified under Greek law was charged with negligent homicide. The Greek prime minister blamed the crash on human error, but he did acknowledge that cost-cutting had left the nation's rail network in bad shape and might have been a contributing factor, you think? Some rare good news out of the UN. On Saturday, they reached an historic treaty to protect marine life and biodiversity in the world's oceans. This is a milestone in a years-long effort to pass official legislation against the destruction of oceanic habitats. The U.N. Convention on the Law of the Sea was first penned in 1982 and updated last in 1994. But efforts to rehash the convention since then have been hindered by disagreements over funding and protections for fishermen. Well, Saturday's update applies to all regions outside of internationally held waters known as the high seas. The agreement applies to around half of the planet's surface and increases the current 1.2% of the high seas that were already under protection. It was a Republican split screen this weekend as the two factions of MAGA world seems to draw battle lines. There was the annual CPAC gathering, which consisted of a much smaller crowd than usual, made up of Trump supporters. In the other corner, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and his acolytes mostly attended the Club for Growth gathering at the ultra-exclusive Palm Beach Hotel, The Breakers. Now, although the former guy and his biggest possible Republican challenger for the nomination mostly stayed away from criticizing each other at their dueling speeches, they did throw out lots of red meat for their sycophantic fans. Like Donald Trump promising revenge? Really? I am your warrior. I am your justice. And for those who have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution. I am your retribution. Now, Ron DeSantis, true to form, arrived at the Club for Growth Gathering, gave his speech and quickly left, heading out on a national tour to sell his new book and gin up support for a possible 2024 presidential bid. He recited his favorite fascist talking points in a speech at the Reagan Library. Where else? In California. I believe parents in the state of Florida should be able to send their kids to elementary school without having an agenda jammed down their throats. And I know you have a company down the road in Burbank that had different ideas about that, but I can tell you this, Disney may have gotten everything they wanted in Florida for the last 60 years, but there's a new sheriff in town now, and we are not backing down to that. We will never, ever surrender to the woke mob. Our state is where woke goes to die. Meanwhile, the Florida legislative session gets underway on Tuesday with an ambitious but devastating for democracy agenda. In the next two months, Republicans with supermajorities in both chambers in Tallahassee are expected to push through right-wing priorities that many on the right had only dreamed of passing. DeSantis, emboldened by his big November victory, is ready to sign that agenda into law and use it as a springboard for his White House bid. His first target, education. Some of the bills the legislature will likely pass include measures that would ban gender studies classes 
and diversity programs in state universities, expand a prohibition on teaching or even talking about sexual orientation and gender identity through the eighth grade, and banning the use of preferred pronouns in K-12 schools. But wait, there's more. Other bills that DeSantis could end up signing would end permitting requirements to carry a gun, make it easier to impose the death penalty, mandate companies use E-Verify to check the immigration status of employees, increase funding to send unauthorized migrants to other states, crack down on citizens and journalists' rights to report the truth and blog opinions. You get the idea. The chill list is long. Stay tuned. But Florida is by no means the only state where crazy is in charge. One example is Utah, where Governor Spencer Cox on Friday said he would sign legislation banning abortion clinics from operating in his state. Thankfully, some states are moving in the other direction, like Arizona, who did not elect the fascists. In fact, Arizona's new governor, Katie Hobbs, on Friday said that the state would not proceed with the execution of prisoner Aaron Gunches. Gunches had been convicted of a 2002 murder and sentenced to death. And despite the objections of both Gunches and the state's attorney general, the Arizona Supreme Court granted a warrant of execution for him based on previous appellate proceedings. But Hobbs said in a statement that she would not be moving forward with this scheduled April execution, saying that, quote, the warrant authorizes an execution, but doesn't require it. She said her decision was, quote, consistent with the law and separation of powers between the judicial and executive branches on this most serious exercise of the power of the state. You go, Governor Hobbs. And that's just a bit of what's news for now. I'm Nicole Sandler. If you appreciate these reports and the Nicole Sandler Show, I hope you'll consider making a contribution. My work is listener-supported, and I can't do it without your help. Find out more at NicoleSandler.com and please click on that donate button.